It's an odd time we live in, isn't it? Hey, if you're new here, let me, let me also welcome, if you're watching online, my name is Pastor Dennis. I have the privilege of standing here almost every week and pastor in this church, and it's a joy. It's, a, it's an honor. It's, honestly, most days I wake up and can't believe I get to do this. It's just amazing. Great team we work with, great people. Uh, there's nothing like uh, baptisms, just the, the, you know, watching people come to the point where they want to proclaim that to the world and their families and everybody here. So welcome. We're glad you are here. And uh, this sermon, in a, in a way, ties into partly baptism in the sense that I remember, you know, over the years, I've just been praying, God, I know your heart is for people to come to know you as Savior. And I'm always asking him, God, why not? Why aren't more people uh, coming to know you? And, and he always directs me to the scripture, I think it's Luke 10 too, where Jesus says, you know, the harvest is white, there's people ready to accept, but the workers are few. And so I've always interpreted that as, we need more preachers, we need more evangelists, we need more missionaries, but it's, that's actually not necessarily the way God does it. Because his job, and he says in Ephesians 4, it's our job to equip the saints for works of service. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. It's you all telling people that bring people in that, that end up committing their lives to Christ, which is cool. And we have that opportunity. Well, let me, let me start with this. Uh, a few years ago, when we lived in Liberty, we had a great house, two-story house. And, and we had this, this hairline crack that showed up in, in the bathroom on the second floor. And, and we're like, what in the world's going on? So we had somebody come check it out because we were freaking out. Like, what's going on? And I remember, uh, you know, as we were looking at it, uh, do you guys know what happens when that happens? Could I just patch it and act like it wasn't there? Because typically, now in our case, it wasn't that serious of a deal. So the person who talked to us, they said, well, if you, if you end up having cracks like that on doorways that are faced the exact same way and the same way, what that means is, you guys know what that means? Yeah, the house is settling. The, it could be serious, though. It could be the foundation is cracked and moving. Because as that moves, the structure above it has to make room for something because the whole thing's going to move. And as it moves, you start seeing these cracks. And if, he, he was just saying, he goes, you know, you don't have them in the same places. That's probably a natural settling thing with just the, you know, construction issue, not action. Because we went in the basement and looked and we didn't have significant damage there. And so it wasn't, that wasn't it. It wasn't like that. But here's the thing that I remember, I remember thinking about that and thinking how often and how easy would it be to act like there was no problems and just to just to cover over a little crack in the top. And it wouldn't fix it. It would make me not see it as much and make me maybe feel better about it every day as I was brushing my teeth. And you know how you see a flaw and you always see it? Probably other people don't notice, but you're walking by it every day and you see it, see it, see it. And then eventually, if you just cover it up, you can act as if it wasn't there, but it wouldn't fix it. The problem is the foundation was settling and cracked. The foundation was damaged. So what I'm seeing is the effects of that foundation damage. So unless I fix the foundation and work on that, I'm not going to fix anything. Does that make sense? We're seeing some cracks in our society, aren't we? We're seeing some things that I know for a lot of people, they're saying, I've never seen it like this. This is worse than it's ever been. And, and, you know, for those of you who are like history geeks, you know, you probably realize, well, actually, there were some really rough times in our country. And there have been. And. Uh, I don't want to return to those, honestly. That doesn't, I don't feel like we need to minimize what's happening now by saying it's happened before, but I just want to give a little bit of perspective and help people realize it's been rough before. It's been rough for Christians in every society through all time. Now, we have these periods of relative peace and things are going great, we feel like, 
And we see, start to see cracks up above and we don't realize and we wonder, how did that happen? When did the foundation get cracked so things like this happen? And you see rioting, you see no respect for the rule of law, you see disrespect for life, whether that's in the womb or other people, that's on the street, police officers. You see the destruction of things that belong to other people they've worked for and now it's destroyed, violence, racism, abuse, the breakdown of civil society. Those are symptoms of a faulty foundation. You can fix those on the top, and we should, and we should do everything we can to fix all of those things. And I believe that Christians should be involved in fixing those at every level, every level. But if we don't fix the foundation, it's not going to be fixed. People today aren't they're safe to even express their opinion, it seems like, even out in public. So how do you have faith over fear right now? And I, I'm not a, a prophet, but I know with the passing of uh, the... Supreme Court Justice Ginsburg, it's going to get worse. I mean, it's just politics. It's going to happen. It's going to be bad. What do you do? Have you ever wondered what happened to society? Where did it go wrong? Was it ever right? We can debate that another time, but my point is this. The issue is at the root. And if you don't fix the root, nothing's ever going to get fixed. And the fact is, a lot of times we look at the top and we're, we're worried and scared, and we should be because those things are serious. But if we never fix the root or consider what's the problem here, it's never going to change. We need God's guidance more than ever. We need the Holy Spirit speaking to us and through us. And we need to be walking in grace and light more than ever, ever, ever as Christians. It's a difficult time. It's as if the whole world is strewn with landmines. You're not sure what to say to who or how to say it or you know, what side they're on or this or that. And ultimately, that's not a surprise. It's not new. And I'm not just talking about politics. Of course, politics right now is hot, but I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about your life in Christ. I'm talking about everything you do. Think about how Jesus even addressed this in his day. And it's hard for us sometimes to imagine how it was for them. But if you look in the first century, there was a hot political time there. It was very, very difficult. And a lot of times the religious rulers would try to draw Jesus into the political debate to get him in trouble with the government because on the religious side they didn't have much power over him, but the government did. So they would try to draw him into political debates to get him in trouble with them. And they, they did the same thing with religious debates. And somehow he was able to manage that. But here's what he said to his followers in Matthew chapter 10. He said, look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. How do you do that? How does that actually look? I would guarantee that it looks different for most of us for every day and in every situation. And if you're not walking in the spirit and really trusting him, and if you don't have your goal and your mindset on people coming to know him as savior, it could be very difficult to know which is which. (laughs) The Holy Spirit speaks in so many ways. And maybe you've heard that before, and I've had people confused about that, but he does. And you don't have to be Pentecostal to believe in this. The fact is, everybody believes that the Holy Spirit speaks to them. It's just how. For some people, they assume it's just a small voice or maybe an impression on your mind or maybe through a dream or, a, or an audible voice. I've never heard an audible voice. I've, I've mentioned that before. I mentioned having never seen an angel, and a couple of you have had that experience. And so it's, I mean, it's different for everybody. It might be a word from a stranger or or someone you know that comes up and says, I think God told me to tell you this. We had had one of the staff pastors at our church in Minnesota who moved in the gift of prophecy. For her, it was was just different than I'd ever heard, ever. But for her, it was a situation where she would have this picture in her head, which didn't make sense. And then then she would have an impression of who she would have to tell it to. And she was 
she was always cautious because it didn't make sense. And if she didn't do it, she would just feel more and more anxious until she did. And it, over and over, it was amazing to see how the picture didn't make sense to her, but it did to the person. God spoke that way. It was, it was interesting. It's different. That shouldn't surprise us either. And we're always supposed to test those things. In the book of John, John says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. God speaks to the church. You know, I wrote down, like, I was just, I, as I write my notes, a lot of times I try to anticipate questions you would have because they'd be what I would have. And I wrote down, God speaks to the church. And I said, how? Well, I would hope you understand that what we're doing right now is something that we pray over, the staff prays over. We pray over even what we feel like God is intending to be spoken. As a pastor, I feel like God speaks through this, and I don't take it lightly. It's a huge, huge responsibility. Of course, he speaks through prophecy, from, for, through tongues and interpretation to the church. Many ways. And we've got to be careful not to limit him to some way that, that seems like the way we think it should be, because... I don't know if you figured this out about God, but he kind of does what he wants, and he speaks how he wants. He doesn't always do it the same way. And I know last Sunday, a dear sister in the church spoke out with a prophecy, and we couldn't really hear her. So I went and talked to her afterward, and I said, what did he say? I'm curious what he was saying. Because what I need to discern as pastor is, is this for the whole church to share? Because I have some of those for you today. Sometimes it's not necessarily now, but for later. Sometimes it's for me. And I feel like in this case, it was really confirmation of what I appoint in my sermon. And one that I was kind of not sure I would share or not. And I do that too. I feel like as I'm writing something, I'm like, God, is this, as I'm writing a sermon, sometimes I'm preaching to me. And I feel like God's saying, okay, that wasn't actually for them. It's for you and you need to fix this. Does that sound weird to you? Yeah, because you know I'm not, (laughs) I need fixing he does that. I can be literally preaching and have God say, okay, not that or that. And I question it. I'm, I'm preaching like, but God, we, we talked about this earlier. <laughs> you know, I thought we were, you know, we had that down. There's times, and this happens a lot, where I'm, I'm speaking and, and uh, something will come to me and I'm like, okay, and I'll say that and I'll and that'll be something that, that touched people's lives more than anything else. And I always ask God, like, so why didn't you tell me that on Thursday? He does that. He does that. Last week, here was, here was the word. I, I, the Lord, know where you are. I know your heart. I know what you're dealing with. And I'm calling you to come to me and be healed. It's almost what the whole sermon was about. Maybe some of you were here. And if you were not here, I encourage you, if you want to catch it online, you can, every one of those are online. I feel like that was something that God was really speaking to people who are not sure where they're at with God. And they're questioning if if God were to show up right now, would would he greet them? And you could you could you could be sure of that right now if you want. Sometimes they're 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 like I said, for the whole church. This prophecy came from somebody in the church. I want to share this with you. There was I'm going to share the heart of it. It said we at Crumb Point are getting by, just getting by until things change. And the Father wants us to push through and live in victory now. I don't know about you, but I feel like a lot of people have been doing that. A lot of us. And maybe everybody. We've all been kind of sitting back and waiting for all this to go away. All the, the COVID danger and people being, 
afraid and not, us not being able to visit loved ones in the hospital and not being able to greet each other like we want and the restrictions of where we go and, and how close we are. And we all wanted to go back to a sense of what is normal, right? And in the process, I feel like a lot of us were just kind of stepping back and, and we're just waiting. We're kind of on our heels and we're wondering what's now. And it's, it's funny because with that happening in our world and in our life today, you know, we realize that things that we thought were always the same or going to be the same aren't there. And with things that we have relied on may not always be the same. But I feel like what God is saying in a lot of ways for us is don't be so focused on that and instead move forward with what you have. I don't know, uh, you know, it's, it's when this all hit and we all were kind of basically locked out of public buildings. I know for me, I thought, God, we've, as churches, have invested so much in buildings. And when we relied on so much on our ministry happening right here for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. And I felt like God said, well, what did you think the church did before you had buildings? And is it limited to buildings? What about your brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world who have nothing like this? I don't know if you realize this, but this is one of the nicest facilities around. It's a beautiful place. I mean, that's, that's why... You know, government entities want to borrow it for, for like, you know, the, the weather spotter training. And the governors have been here, the past one, this one. That's why. It's beautiful. We live in luxury here. But this isn't the church. And this isn't necessarily necessary for him to accomplish his mission. It makes it easier and it's nice to be able to come and sit. And thankfully, it seats so many people that we can comply with, with distancing and keep everybody safe because you can spread out so much in here. And it's wonderful and I'm grateful for it. I drive onto the property and every day I just look at it. It's gorgeous. It's like a park. But if we're waiting for everything to go back to normal and not doing ministry now, then we're not doing what God wants us to do. And if we feel like ministry is limited by whether or not we have a building, then we've missed the mark. That's not what it's about. It's actually up to you to do the ministry, whether you're in the house or not. Really, you come here to get prepared and then go out to do ministry. The ministry isn't here. It's not limited to just here. You know, we're supposed to be praising him in the middle of the storm, not just waiting for a storm to be over. I mean, the thing is, you know, part of us, part of the, what what a lot of psychologists say is the anxiety is involved in, we don't know how long this is going to be. Because how long have we been on the two-week lockdown to spread the, stop the spread, or whatever it was, right, to flatten the curve? I don't know how many weeks it is. Do you know how long it'll go? Nope, nobody does. And so part of that anxiety is saying, well, when it's over, then we'll do this. When what we should be saying is, God, what do you want me to do in the middle of this? Because he doesn't stop for this. This wasn't a surprise to him. This isn't the first uh, strange thing in society of all time. You know, as Americans, we live such cushioned lives. You know, it, you know, things go wrong for us. You know how it was the last time your internet slowed down? Remember that? Remember your frustration? You're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Where most of the world, they're worried about what they're going to eat their next meal. Here we are concerned about, you know, relative safety when, when entire generations have grown up their entire lives and never known what safety was. You know, a lot of us know people who've struggled with PTSD from whatever trauma they've been through. But can you imagine entire generations growing up that way? Hearing bombs go off and war happen and daddy not coming home and mommy gone. And the fact is, our world needs Jesus more now than ever. And we get so complacent and comfortable in where we are and creatures of habits. And when our habits disrupted, we step back and feel like we can't do anything. 
fact is, he, he wants more. He wants us to do things, people that are more open to hearing the gospel from you than ever before, who in their relative comfort wouldn't be listening. As Christians, we need to lead, not be back on our heels. Some of us are living in fear because of the virus. Some of us in fear because we're, we're worried about how this election will go, or you're worried about BLM or Antifa attacks, or you're worried about you know, what's going to go down with this, this new Supreme Court justice you know, process. It's going to be, some of you maybe are concerned about prophecies of end times. I've heard a lot about them. I've, I've read a lot of them. I've looked at them, and I have people calling me, asking me what I think, and going to questions. Let me, let me just say one thing about that. I'm not going to get into all that today. Maybe we will in future sermon series, but I want to say this. All those prophecies, including the entire book of Revelation, you know what it's for? Basically, two basic messages. Be sure you're ready and tell everybody you can to be ready with you. It really is that simple. Now, I'm curious, too, how it'll all work out and if current events have to do with that and what this means and how that looks. And Oh, no question. I'm fascinated by all that. But in the end, if that takes you off the ball and it puts you back and you're just curious about that and you're not getting your heart right and you're not bringing people along with you, then you've missed the whole point. Those prophecies are meant to encourage and warn you not to make you fearful. That's what it's for. I think about this. We need the boldness of the Holy Spirit now more than ever. Remember one of the first verses I learned in, in, in children's church was Acts 1.8. You remember that? But you will receive power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, should you be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth? You realize that being spirit-filled people, that's the point, is that we have boldness to share our faith? It's not just about, you know, speaking in tongues and enjoying that closeness with God, all that's important. What it's about is you having the boldness to share Christ. And maybe for you, you're in a position where you're thinking, I'm not sure what I can say or, or what to say. That's what he does is help you know what to say. And he gives you the boldness and he helps remind you of things that you couldn't remember in the past. And you know what? He loves those people you're talking to more than you can ever imagine. What are you supposed to tell to them? It's not an in your face, I'm right and you're wrong thing. It's not that. It's more like, I have a God who loves me and cares about me and he cares about you too. And here's what he did to me and with me and how he changed my life. Just you heard in these these. Uh, these testimonies today and here's what he can do for you that's what it's about and when they see your life lived in front of them and they ask questions that you're not hesitant to tell them what you think so how do you do that i get it it's intimidating i get it and you don't want to lose relationships i get it i get all that i feel the same thing the the trick is you're supposed to do this in love because you care about him one of the testimonies did you catch that when she said I think it was Nicole. She said, you know, when I see people who aren't living right, I don't look at them condemning. I look at them and say, God, help them. They need you. That's a whole heart change. There's a difference between being condemning and caring. There really is. It's a big, big difference. You're supposed to cover all of this in prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and use you. You, you may not realize this, but he's working on their heart all the time. You just don't know it, and you don't know how he's doing it, or who he's doing it through, or what experiences they're having where he is speaking to them. And he does that constantly with every one of them. Now, may have, they may have hardened their heart and pushed him aside. They may have had something happen where they blame God for, and they put a wall up, but he is constantly working on that. And as you pray for them, you basically are joining him in reaching them. That's why he came. 
Jesus said, I came into the world to save sinners. That's why he came. Then he turned that mission over to each and every one of us with the Great Commission. He said to go and do it. And how are you going to do it? Just like 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within you and do it in a gentle and respectful way. I love that part. Gentle and respectful. I wish all Christians were known for their gentleness and respect. They still said the way, but they did it in a gentle and respectful way. For some of us, it's not about what we say, it's how we say it. For, for some of us, it's just the motivation behind what you're saying. You're, you heard that old saying, you know, I can't hear a word. Your, your actions are so loud, I can't hear a word you're saying. You ever heard that? <laughs> Our attitude toward, you know, through these days is so important. Your attitude of faith, your attitude of patience, your attitude knowing that whoever's elected, God will work through that. It may not be the way you think or the way you want, but he will work through that. He, he's got a plan. And as he works through that plan, a lot of times we pray for certain things, but you have to be open to the fact that he's working. The whole series we did on being unoffendable, how are you doing on that? I ask you because there's times I struggle. I've turned off the radio a number of times this week because I realize I'm being offended. And I've, I, I need, God, I need to pray a little more and I need to turn that off. Because of the way they're reporting or what they said or how they twist, whatever. I, I, I don't want to be offendable like that. I want to care about them. I know, I know things are happening in the world that maybe I, I'm not approving of. But ultimately, I know somebody who loves the world more than I ever could, cares about each one of their souls, and he's going to reach them in ways I could never reach them. We as a church need to be loving and serving and reaching over and over and over. Now, I don't know if you noticed, in our society, it's okay. They're okay with you being a Christian as long as you don't say it's the truth. You, you realize that, right? Because you can be a Christian and all roads lead to heaven and all that. And it's all good until you say, yeah, but this is actually true. Then you've got problems. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. I read this this week and it really stuck with me. I never heard it worded this way. So listen to the wording carefully. Is meaning something I create or something I was created for? Do you decide what's meaningful or were you created for actual meaning? Is truth something real and true? Are there, are there morals that are actually fixed for all time, every culture, forever? Or is it just something I make up and I choose? <laughs> Jesus, in one of his parables, he talked about the house building being built on the rock. Remember that? I remember as a kid singing that song, the wise man built his house. Remember? Yep, some of you did the motions. Thank you. You know what I never knew? I never knew what that was about. I thought it was just being smart and building on rocks instead of sand. Jesus prefaces the whole story with, he who hears my words and follows them is the man, the wise man. <laughs> That's it. His words are the standard. They're it. If you follow those, you're built on the rock. Otherwise, you're built on sand. And if you make it up for yourself and everybody else does, it's all opinion. It all changes. Jesus sums it all up. With this, and it's at Matthew 7, 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows is wise, like a person who builds his house on the rock. I just picked out a couple of his teachings to, for you to understand what we're talking about here. He also said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
And when asked what the most important law was, he said the most important law in all the laws was you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. It's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important, love your neighbors yourself. The entire law and prophets hang on those two things. He didn't really leave a lot of room for wiggling around, did he? Doing it my way. He didn't leave it so that you can just get close enough to the edge and then not go over. If your heart is right, you follow and do what he wants. <laughs> All that's contrary to the world today. And it started a long time. I mean, it's always been that way. It started in the garden that way. Basically, Eve wanted to make up the rules for herself. We talked about that last week. As I was doing some reading this week, I, I, I saw, uh, you probably heard Ren- Rene Descartes' statement, I think, therefore I am, all that. Thought about it more this week. I thought, you know what he's basically saying is, I choose what's real and not. He determines if he is by based on his choices, his thinking. He becomes the moral law. And even Shakespeare, above all this, this above all else, to thine own self be true. Every Disney movie, follow your heart. Hmm. But if all that's true and naturalism and we just make our own choices and there's nothing set, nothing real, then there's no really meaning or purpose in the world anyway. Just what I want. And what I want when it's different than what you want, whoever's stronger wins and only one person's happy. (laughs) It's really sad because a lot of people, they criticize, you know, as... uh, Christians and they feel like we just don't get it and what breaks my heart is if they knew the truth their lives would be so different here's another word from someone in the body shared with me this week and it called they called it the new abnormal you heard that the new normal there's the new normal just he said the new abnormal I like that listen very carefully to this wording he says if God's got you you've got this whatever this is did you catch that If God's got you, you've got this, whatever this is. What that means is, if there really is a God and you trust him, then he's got you no matter what you walk through. It doesn't always change it and take it away. What it means is he's a companion with you through every moment of that. You don't have to fear the space between where you were and where God desires you to be. Our greatest growth and refining can happen in the most uncomfortable spaces. Maybe for you, you've been holding back and thinking, I'll be fine when everything returns back to normal and then I'll engage again. My word to you is, that's not what God wants for you. He wants you to grow in whatever discomfort you're in right now. I know a lot of people, and I've done the same thing. God, why are you putting me through this? Or why is this happening? Or why did this happen to me? And and inside that is basically saying something like, I'm better than this. Or I thought we were cool. Why you, right? You look around the world. God allows a lot of us to go through a lot of things. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Jesus said that. The fact is, it's not that we're exempt from problems. The truth is, we have somebody to walk through those with us. And he wants you to grow through each and every one of those. If God's got you, you've got this, whatever this is. He also said there's no political response will heal a spiritual issue. To get to the issue, we must read the word of God and pray. What was interesting is, That came right when I was working on this sermon and reading this passage of Scripture. And it's almost as if God gave me confirmation 
to share this with you guys. I've never seen this scripture in this light before. But if you would read this with me, Romans chapter 10, Paul is speaking to the church in Rome. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But not everybody welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing that is hearing the good news about Christ. I don't know about you. I've always thought of that as a missions verse, not a me verse. Do you ever do that? That's for somebody else to do, not me. But let me just tell you, who was Paul writing to? He was writing to a church full of believers like you and me. A lot of them new Christians. And basically, he's giving them marching orders. And you may not have seen it this way, but this is actually written to you. You are the ones, it's your feet who are beautiful when you bring the good news. We're not supposed to wait for someone else to do it or wait for times to change or get back to normal. You're supposed to be doing that now. So that first thing he says, everyone who calls on him will be saved. Will be saved. But they must call. He's the the only one that can save. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. They have to want to, but they they have to come to him. The second thing he says, people can only call in the name of Christ if they believe in him. He's the Savior. He's the one worthy of it. Look at at a couple verses here. John 3, 18. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Acts 4, 12. There's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Now, for some people, they look at that and, oh, that's so restrictive. I think I've told you before, when I was in Bible college, right across was a uh, on Saturdays and Sundays was a huge swap meet, and there was always this lady out there, and she had a sign. She was a fortune teller and said, God is too big to be contained in any one religion. So every time we'd go, we'd just engage our conversation and talk to her, but pray for her. The fact is, there's no other name. And some people look at it as restrictive. I look at it exactly the opposite. It really opens up life to you and to them in a way that they could never, ever imagine. They may feel like it's restrictive, but what they don't realize is they're turning away from life itself. The very giver of life wants to join his life with their life, to change them completely. Pastor Nick, if you would join me up here. Uh, People so many times, they want to just do it on their own. And what they don't realize is, we don't know how to do it. I mean, the more you walk with Christ, the more you realize you need his guidance and you need the help with that. It's not restrictive. It's a life freeing event but but submission is offensive in our culture to say there's one right and one wrong it's offensive another word came and it said you can't serve two masters you and god either you give your life to him and you make your own rules but the will of god is done in man when the will of man is submitted to the will of god you don't realize how much you're missing by not giving your life to him You'll never see God's will done until you submit to his will for your will. That's just, it's just that simple. There's no shortcut. There's no way around it. 
There's a story told about, I think it was the Gauls, you know, the northern, northern Germanic tribes when they were being baptized, when they became Christians. They were very warlike and they, they loved war. So the story is that when they would be baptized, they would hold their sword hand out of the water so that that didn't get baptized. But the rest of their life, they would give to Christ. <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. Because we kind of did the same thing, right? It might be something that you really think, you know, God doesn't care about. Or it might be your wallet, I don't know. But people do hold stuff away. But what he's saying is, I want your whole, whole life. But here's the crux of it. And here's what I believe God is speaking to us today. People cannot believe in Christ unless they've heard of him. And how they hear of him is not someone else, it's you. It's not just for missionaries, it's you. It's not just for pastors and preachers, it's you. You are the one. Based on the relationship, you are the one. It takes you. And you have the joy of sharing this with somebody. I mean, if he's changed your life and really made a change, why wouldn't you want to tell? That's the beauty. And maybe you've seen this happen where somebody's a new believer and they're so excited and they're telling everybody and almost you feel guilty because you're like, man, God, I'm not as excited as they are. I should be because he changed me. But maybe it was 10 years ago or 20 or 30 or 40 and it was exciting. But then you look and you look at your life and you've just kind of gotten in a pattern. And you forget how exciting it is to walk with him every day. It's a hostile world. There's people you know, though. I've said this last week and I'll keep saying it. You are the perfect person to tell them. Now, of course, God does set up divine appointments. He does it all the time. And, and encounters with strangers, he does that. He sends them, I think, into my life, into your life. I've got some stories I'll share maybe in the next couple of weeks about that. But we need to be doing that. How do you know who to talk to? I, I, I'm going to tell you this, and maybe you, maybe you don't think of it like this, but there are people you need to be praying for, that your prayers are the things that are going to open their heart and mind to God. Your prayers are the things that are going to pull down those walls that they built up. Might be anger or bitterness or just frustration with their life or whatever it is, and they blame God. Your prayers are going to break those down. God is working on their behalf. We've been having a prayer, prayer meeting in here on Wednesdays for, for months, and Doris Sparks is going to lead it for the next couple months as we head up to the election and just pray for our country. We're going to be praying for that. You also need to be praying for people who need to know him that God would change their life. I really do believe what God wants to do in the middle of this turmoil is draw people to him who normally would not have been open. But because of what's happening in their lives, you have an opening and God can use it. The last point, they cannot hear of Christ unless there's someone to tell them about Christ, the preacher. And I think a lot of us, we look at that word and we think that's somebody else. It's not, it's you. I'm gonna ask everybody to shut your eyes for a minute. We're going to have prayer up here in a minute for those of you who would like prayer for whatever. It might be for your own salvation or boldness or maybe you're experiencing some anxiety. Maybe you need a heart change and there's people you're just not sure how you could pray for. And, and, we'll, and you know, we'll, those of us who are praying, we'll be wearing masks. We'll pray for people. Um, in fact, I'd like those of our prayer team to come on up and get ready to pray. With your eyes closed, though, we ask you to do that, to close your eyes and I know for some people it's unusual, but the reason we do that is to give you a sense of privacy in a room full of people that you know. I'm just wondering, though, if there's somebody here who maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe for you it's been something that you've put off, or maybe you walked with him at one time, but maybe it was something that was said in the testimonies during baptism or something in the sermon where 
Just like one of the testimonies said that, that they felt like, hey, that's for you. Maybe you felt that. Maybe you've felt an impression or felt a discomfort in your heart knowing that you need to respond to this. And if that's you here today, we just want to pray with you. We want to welcome you into this family and watch God change your life. Anybody here like that, you just raise your hand with us and we could pray with you today. Anybody at all, just raise your hand quick and we'll take a moment and we'll pray. I'm just scanning the room so we can know to pray. I do see the hand. Thank you. Appreciate that. Anybody else? You just feel like, I do want to become a Christian. I want to change my life. I want to turn my life over to him. I know that I can't do it by myself. I need him and his help. Anybody else? That's awesome. We're going to pray together as a group for this person. And then what I'm going to do is turn, turn the service over to Pastor Jeremy. Jeremy. Um, so let's, if you would stand with me, everybody in the room. And I'm doing this to make it a little easier for people to get out if they want to pray. We're going to pray for, for this person who raised their hand that God would save them. But we're also going to pray for these other things. There may be things on your heart and mind that you are really struggling with and you need help. And you want to come down and get personal prayer. And you can tell the people what you want prayed for. Sometimes I've had people come and say, I just need prayer. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I'll pray. And if you want personal prayer, we're going to invite you to come down after this. But I know that there's people in this room that have been struggling right now. And maybe for you, the anxious time that we're in has just been overwhelming. Maybe there's people that you know need Jesus, but you don't know that you're up to the task. I'm going to pray for you. Because God loves you, and he has a point and a plan for you to tell people. And it's not going to be some weird thing. God will just work through who you are and your personality and your relationships to see people come to Christ. That's what he does. So I'm going to pray for you. So if you, if you uh, the, the person who raised their hand and everybody else, if you just repeat after me, and we're going to just ask God to come in and change lives right now. Repeat after me. Father God. I'm sorry for what I've done that was wrong. I, I accept your forgiveness. I accept the sacrifice of your son. I want my life to be different. I want to serve you and not me. I turn my life over to you. In Jesus' name. Now the rest of this prayer, I'm just going to pray for you. Father, I pray for this crowd in here today, and I ask in the name of Jesus that you would help us with every single encounter we have from, from now on, that as we encounter people who need to know you, that you would just be clear about what we should say or not say or how we should serve them. Or God, I know that your heart is for people, and I pray that you would give us that heart. I pray for those in the room who are worried about, about the situation in life today and what's going on in our culture and the world and I just pray, God, that you would take that anxiety away and give them the confidence knowing that you are God and you are going to walk us through this time. I pray for those who are anxious, that you would heal the anxious heart. I pray, God, for those who feel like they lack boldness, that you would give them boldness. I pray, God, for anyone in here who's in need physically or financially or socially or emotionally, that you would do your work in their hearts right now. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like prayer as Pastor Jeremy closes this service, we invite you to come up and we'd like to pray with you.